0: This is BWLS, podcasts on wilderness medicine from the University of Utah School of Medicine. Hi, this is Richard Ingebretsen from the University of Utah uh, School of Medicine. We're going to talk about biking injuries today, Uh, just strictly those uh, problems that are usually associated with biking. Uh, One of the problems that biking has with other sports is that it's a high velocity sports. And so that makes it to be very inherent uh, for risks of uh, injury. And the other thing that technology of bikes is such now that uh, bikers can go faster in places where they've really uh, not gone before. And racing is faster and in different places, off trail, uh, and through rocks and trees. So uh, these injuries happen at higher speeds uh, than before. Um, And in places as before. uh, our body is made up with bones, and they're really, really quite uh, strong. Uh, most bones can handle a lot of force. If you look at the femur in the leg, it can withstand a force of about 12,000 pounds. That's it. For those of you who do uh, Newtons, that's 53,000 Newtons. That is a lot of force if, if you look at the mid-shaft. Uh, but um, the way that physics works is that uh, if you stop quickly... Um, then the forces that stop you can easily exceed that. Um, It has to do with just how quickly uh, you stop. Uh, The the word that they use in physics is called impulse. Uh, Impulse is the rapid change in momentum. And most people have a feel for what momentum is. And if you change uh, momentum rapidly, the forces that are needed to change momentum are quite huge and uh, so uh, going fast isn't what hurts people it's stopping quickly you can go you know really fast in a car and if you just put on your brake and slow down you'll be fine but if you take go fast in a car and slam into a wall and stop instantly then you are going to uh, be injured the human body is designed to help us do that by bending our legs uh, bending our knees bending our hips Um, uh, uh, help us to have uh, these instinctive shock absorbers to help us to stop. But when we crash, like uh, in mountain biking, uh, you often don't have time to to kind of bounce and so forth. It's good if a biker falls and rolls because rolling will dissipate that force and you'll stop over time. Even though you might get road rash, you won't tend to break uh, uh, bones. Bones will break... Speaking of breaking bones, they'll they'll break in. Uh, you can break a bone in tension that is pulling it apart, or compressing it, or shearing it. Most bones uh, will break when they shear. Uh, very few bones will break under tension. I mean, you can, but that's kind of a rare event. They will break under compression, especially in the spine. But most bones will break under shear. That is, the forces that they experience are are sort of um, at an angle with each other, and so bones will just shear off. Um, and there are a lot of injuries, uh, of course, with biking where we break bones. But um, when people think of mountain bike injuries, they first think of fractures and dislocations. However, these type of injuries are low on the list of you know, the injuries that people get. They account for a total few injuries. If you do get a fracture or dislocation, uh, they occur in mountain biking. They happen in the upper extremities uh, when you get these large compression forces that will compress a bone or shear a bone. Uh, a lot of injuries in bikers are out in the radius or in the clavicle or in the scaphoid bone in the hand. Right next to the scaphoid is the bone called the hamate, and those are common injuries when, when bikers crash or put out their arm, and those forces go right up their thumb all the way to their uh, shoulder. If you look at um, the, the most common uh, injury that people get uh, from an, a fall or something, wounds and bruises are actually the most common type of injuries that uh, uh, people get when they uh, are biking. The most common parts of the bodies that are injured uh, are that that we see in the emergency room are those that are from the neck, knees, the buttocks and groin, the upper extremities. Head injuries are very common and can be very serious. That's why it's very important to wear a helmet. High-speed technical train and being close to other bikers in races and uh, increases the likelihood of head injuries so head el- helmets are really important. Uh, that, that should never be, uh, uh, as you know, you should never ride without a helmet. Um, and they should always check with the manufacturer's recommendations uh, when determining which type of helmet is, is correct, uh, whether you're downhill or, or you know, cross-country, and uh, make sure that it's a good helmet. That's something that you don't want to uh, shortchange on. Uh, when you get one. Any time a fall involves an impact of the head, the integrity of the helmet should be checked to make sure that it is suitable for continued use. Also, it'll help to determine whether how serious the injury was to the head. Helmets do ha- have an expiration date, so it's really essential to replace the helmet once that date has passed. If a date is not listed, then it's recommended to replace the helmet ab- about after five years of use, uh, and they might have new helmets anyway beyond that. Head injuries from biking uh, uh, most often result in, uh, can often result in a concussion. And um, uh, clinical findings of a concussion depend really on the severity and the location of the injury. When, when someone hits their head, one thing you like to look for is something that you're not used to looking for, and that is cerebral spinal fluid, this liquid that's in the head. That uh, that you uh, that will leak out if you have a skull fracture. And they, a lot of times it'll leak out of the nose or out of the ears. So if somebody's hit their head hard, uh, you know you're going to get them to the hospital pretty quick. But one thing you might do is is look at their nose and see if a liquid's coming out of it other than mucus or blood, and coming out of their ear. Um, one should use uh, extreme caution when treating a concussion after uh, a bike injury. A general rule, if symptoms worsen and last longer than 15 minutes, then you need to evacuate the patient. A lot of people hit their heads and fall and they have a headache or they don't feel well. Uh, A a mild concussion is one thing, but uh, if uh, a patient evacuation may be required, if a lot of other symptoms persist beyond those. Head injuries are often accompanied with neck and spinal cord injuries. So if you think they have a neck injury and you're not sure, get them to the hospital uh, where they can be evaluated. Always side with caution on that one. Uh, uh, proper evacuation techniques should be used in moving a patient. If you, if you think that they've been injured, we want you to hold their neck uh, and wait for help. Always making sure to to protect the uh, track if, so other bikers aren't going to be uh, coming along and crash over you, the, the injured patient, and injure themselves. So um, if, they, if you th- even have any wisp of an idea that they've injured their neck, then uh, you want to hold their neck and uh, go get a backboard or, uh, and, uh, uh, and go get help. Uh, a concussion is something that's really common, and you need to memorize those because uh, if you think they've had a concussion, then you really need to go and be evaluated. Uh, uh, they're they're uh, pretty common, and you'll see them. They're mild, and you might be able to keep them in. But let me go over them. Headache is a real common one. Uh, slurred speech or delayed speech. They could vomit, or they could be disoriented, not quite know where they are. They will lose memory; they won't know where they're at. One one interesting one is uh, people with concussions will cry and weep because they feel like uh, I mean we don't know wh- why they feel this way, but they'll start sobbing. They can get vertigo where they feel the area around them is spinning. Uh, Sometimes they'll just stare off like in a vacant stare. Uh, They can be confused. If they have lost consciousness, then you really need to assume that they have a concussion. And other than vertigo, they might have dizziness. While a mild uh, concussion, there is no specific treatment. Patients usually monitored for 24 hours. More severe concussions can uh, require intensive monitoring care. And if they have a bleed, they might need surgery to uh, drain that bleed. It depends upon the injury and a CT scan that they might need. Any patient that experienced loss of consciousness for any period of time following head injury warrants urgent uh, evaluation at a hospital uh, so that they can be evaluated. But these are the more serious injuries. Um, The most common injuries aren't really that serious. If you look at all injuries that come in and are complained, um, uh, that don't happen in a hard crash, uh, is the micro whiplash syndrome. This is a result of trail vibrations on the neck. The head weighs about 18 pounds and you put a helmet on it and it bounces up and down and, uh, it vibrates up and down while, ri- uh, while riding. The, we call that the micro whiplash syndrome. And along with generalized neck and back pain, uh, uh, it uh just creates uh the inability to function uh when you're out there. And the micro whiplash syndrome, which is really the most common complaint we see, can be avoided by ensuring the bike is properly fitted and adjusted for the biker. Um you wanna make sure that the, heat, the seat is in the right place, the handle's in the right place, and so that the head isn't bobbing up and down as much. How you can help with micro whiplast syndrome is to massage it, you can put ice on it for a little bit. You can stretch it, and you can use ibuprofen or something like um, uh, that, something like that, to uh, help with it. And but the but the bike setup is really the key thing on micro whiplash syndrome. The really the second uh, most common uh, uh, complaint amongst bikers uh, is uh, the saddle uh, sores and the saddle pain that comes along with it. Uh, And uh, there's a real science about what what seat that a biker should have. And a lot of it is subjective. There's no right or wrong with it. There's just kind of an opinion. So uh, you you can get a second uh, seat after you buy the bike that you're going to pedal on. And um, see which one works the best for you. But the main thing, whatever, uh, whatever saddle you're going to sit on or, or your team or, or your co-bikers you're going to sit on, the proper saddle height and positioning will help many of the saddle-associated symptoms and injuries. If the saddle height is too low, you get a tendonitis in your kneecap, and you can get pain in the tendons of your thigh, uh, and you can sometimes get swelling around the kneecap uh, as well. Uh, because uh, of, of the, the, being, the saddle being too low. Uh, correcting the saddle height can aid in, in alleviation of all of this pain. Uh, if the saddle position is too high, you can get saddle sores and chafing are really common and uh, along the, the skin, uh, and we, in that area you'll become irritated. Um, one thing that you can try and do is keep that area clean and dry and wearing the proper uh, fitting shorts, and th- that will help with that. Cycling shorts should always be <clears throat> thoroughly washed between use because you don't. what will happen is salt will build up in them and dirt, and that will uh, create uh, some of the problems. Uh, so we talked about bike setup, and um, um, uh, there's a lot of opinions and ideas of how to set this up, and it can depend upon the race and it can depend upon the body build. But there's some general rules, and, and one of those is that the rider should sit on the seat with their heel on the pedal, the height should then be adjusted so that the leg on the pedal is straight. That is the proper uh, seat uh, height, generally. Now, some people will vary that a little bit, and that's fine, but that is the general one. And then when you adjust the seat so that the, the front of the seat is up or down, that is really just for comfort. And, uh, uh, and then the handlebar is generally going to be one to four inches lower than the saddle, and the rider knows should be directly over the handlebar as a rule. Now, these things change in races and whether you're going across country or downhill or other ways, but the proper adjustment should allow for about one-third of the rider's body weight to be resting on the arms. However, the height and positioning of the handlebars can be adjusted during long rides and races to help with back and neck pain. So there's just general uh, rules on that and those can be adjusted uh, depending upon the biker and uh, how they're seated. So when we look at the the, the cycling injury uh, percentage uh, across all uh, riders, 35% of injuries that report to us are, are, are kind of a wound or a scrape or another 25% are bruises and then you get into the strains and the sprains. But... Um, the fractures and dislocations are low at about 4 or 3%. The body part of complaints that we see coming in uh to our clinics about 50% of the complaints are neck pain and then about 40 to 45% are knee pain, 30 or 35% are groin pain, hand and shoulder and back and feet are about 30% of the body part that we see getting injured. Uh, and and sort of in review, remember always wear a helmet. Always watch out for signs of concussion, and uh, be very careful uh, with the neck. If somebody crashes, make sure that their neck is stable, um, and uh, and forever uh, be uh, cautious. And if you're ever worried. Make sure that uh, you go to a hospital and be evaluated, and uh, don't hesitate. And, uh, and then finally, the bike seat and the handlebar setup is really critical to preventing the most common of uh, biking injuries and to increase performance. Well, this ends the uh, podcast on biking injuries, and as always, we thank you for listening.